Let's get to the scriptures, okay? Jude 1. It says, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I'm going to go really slow. I want to pray, and I just want to go through these three verses. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. You knew who was going to be here. I thank you in advance who was going to be here. God, you're going to stir our hearts. God, I pray for every person that would listen on the podcast, God, or online, that you would stir their hearts as well, that we would share your gospel, that we would take what we felt, your goodness, and move us outside these four walls. I need your holy anointing, God. You've never failed me. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It says, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy. Listen, we have to be looking for that mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto what? Eternal life. I want you to see that as this whole book is being written, the eternal, eternal, eternal matters. Look at 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Look at this, but don't leave out 23. And others save with fear. I want you to understand something. There is an attack inside the churches the same way the media tries to hush a lot of truth and make you feel like if you take a stand for Christian standards, you're a bigot or you're this weird person. There's this same spirit of the world that's crept in the church. And when you try to tell people about fear, God, the fear of God. Yes, man, we're in a place right now in our church where the goodness of God is manifested. Yes, his goodness is amazing. Yes, we talk about his goodness. Thank God, praise him for he is good and his mercy endures forever. But you cannot just see a one-sided God. Yes, his goodness is on you. If you're a believer, you have mercy in Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise God for it. But if we take that, that's what Andrew was saying Sunday. If we take that message and sit on it, there is a place, there's a place where he says, you got a talent, you didn't use a talent, enter into weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's fear pulling them out of the fire. Do you know how many Christians just believe? I think they call it, I don't even remember, annihilationism. They believe that you're going to die and you're completely annihilated and you cease to exist. If you don't know God, there's heaven for all of us that believe. But if you don't know God, you're just annihilated. So many believers so there's no eternal punishment. There's no fire. Look, I, I want to show you the correlation here. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Go back to 22. I just remembered I have the app on my phone that has my notes on it. Praise God. And of some having compassion. Let's start here. We'll go to 23 and close. What is Compassion. When you break that word down, it says Jesus moved with compassion, did stuff. And Jesus being moved with compassion like nine times in the Gospels. Well, the word moved with compassion in the Greek is one word. And the word is this, passion in action. Look at the word, compassion. 
It's more than just being sympathetic. It's an action to love. If I tell you that I love the lost and I have God's heart for the lost and there is no action, I am now operating in sympathy and not compassion. Have y'all gone to sleep on me? When I say I love the lost, I want to see the lost saved. If I do not have passion and action, that Greek word action, then I have now have sympathy, which changes nothing. But compassion makes the difference. Jesus being moved with compassion, healed. Delivered, set free, compassion put an action to what he was doing. Oh, I love the goodness of God in the land of the living. But out there, there's no action. There's no thought about it. Listen, some of you need to be brutally honest with the good God and say, I have sympathy. I don't have compassion. Change me. That's where I started this week. I had no idea it was going to be a sermon. I was like, God, I want to be a witness. I want to be a bold witness. I want to fully understand what it's like to lead people to the Lord or at least try with everything I have. I want compassion for them. Now, how do we get the compassion? This is where you want to buckle up for a second. Just going to let you know. This formula, I've, listen y'all, I've prayed my whole life for boldness. So have you. Most of you have been here with me a long time. And the ones that had not you, you've been like you've been here with me forever. We're family. We've asked God for boldness. Where is it? We've asked God to make us a witness. Where is it? Andrew kind of went through some of those things in his sermon. Like you've prayed for this, where is it? You've prayed for this. Where is it? I was like, wow, those are some good questions. I'll show you where God took me to. Like once I said, this is not, I didn't even think this was going to be a sermon. So I'm, I'm on YouTube watching a sermon. And this, this suggested videos come up. And this guy says, the title is shortened version of man who went to hell. Vision of a man who went to hell. Me being the great patriarch of faith that I am, I was like, oh gosh, here we go. But for some reason, I clicked on it. And I began to click on this and listen to this guy. And he begins to talk about God taking him after a prayer meeting into hell. And he begins to, everything he sees, he's backing up with scripture. He talks about, God, I don't want to tell people this because they're going to think I'm a nut. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking you were. And he begins to talk about seeing hell. And he begins to talk about hell. And all of a sudden, I noticed something about myself. Number one, all of a sudden, my salvation meant a lot to me. You know why you're unthankful for being saved every day? You forget that hell's for real and forever. You know why I'm not as thankful as I should be for the blood? You know why some people lose their mind in the altars? You're like, man, calm down. See, they have a reality of hell. They've been saved from a real hell where the flame dies not, where there's eternal punishment and there is zero hope. And they've lost the vision. And he begins to talk about 
the torment. He talks about how God blocked it out of his mind that he was a believer long enough to let him realize that he was hopeless. And you say, well, God blocks stuff in people's mind. He gave about six biblical verses. I'll give you the video if you want it, where God deliberately blocked something in somebody's mind to make a point. He said, because if I knew I was a believer, I knew I would escape. I would have never felt the wrath of hell. And as I'm listening, all of a sudden, this sink, dirty feeling of helplessness begins to sink into my heart. But it wasn't unhealthy. It was healthy. All of a sudden, I begin to think about my week this week. And I begin to think about, oh man, Alabama football compared to life in hell. What does it matter? And my flesh man was wanting to get out from under that feeling. Every friend I have is going to go to hell that don't know Christ. And they will burn in torment forever. They will never get out. The, it begin to th- I begin to think about it. Oh my gosh, how many things have I complained about and griped about that if I knew there was a real hell and a judgment, not only would I have been silent, I would have been so thankful for everything going on in my life. Hell. You know why preachers don't preach hell anymore? Because people don't want to hear about hell. It's real. If you're here tonight and you're playing games with God, you're going to go to hell. You know, well, God, why would a cruel God create a hell? I'm glad you asked. He didn't create a hell. The hell was made for the angels. You do not belong in hell as a human being. For God so loved the world that he sent not his son. I mean, that he sent his son into the world. And then I'm going in verse 17, that he sent not his son to condemn the world. What does condemning mean? It doesn't mean a feeling. It means a penalty of death. He did not send Jesus to give us the death penalty, but we would have everlasting life. So when we reject the gift, it's kind of like this. If some, somebody shows up at my address in Kimberly, And they knock on the door and they've got their suitcase and their backpack on. And they say, hey, I'm moving in. And I have no idea who they are. They're not moving in because I don't know who they are. People's logic think that because they're, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I don't know God. I know of God. What if the person says, hey, I'm a friend of Lucas. I've heard all about you. He's still not moving in. I don't know you. This is common sense Christianity. People are like, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. And, I, you know, I go to church and I know this. Listen, no way. That's not how it works. Hell is real. Like, you don't just get to go to heaven. It is a free gift. Thank God for the free gift of Jesus Christ. But I want you to see in this, the way that his compassion works is look at verse 23. He saves others with fear, pulling them from the very fire. How many people have we not pulled from the fire that are in hell right now with no escape? How many people are we going to pass up this week that it's our chance to pull them out of the fire? That in our mind, listen, why would you look at somebody on the outside 
Who cares if they've got money? Who cares if they've got the house and the car and everything together? If they gain the whole world and lose their soul, they have nothing. It's more than, I want to piggyback off Andrew. It's more than you just telling somebody about evangel. It's that you get such a grip of them spending in hell the rest of their life that it actually moves you with compassion. Right? I don't care if you're at a place where you have to examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. But you know why? Because the Bible says to do that. You should tonight, when you hear about hell, you should begin to examine the inside of you. Is there anything in me, God, that displeases you? Listen, there's been times in my life where God's come to me and said, hey, you got this going on in your life. I want it. It was hard. You know what's funny? This week when I've been thinking about hell, there's some things he knocked on my heart and said, I need that. It's going to kill you. Take it. If it means me going to hell forever, take it. It's yours. Deal with it. Help me. I need it. Get it out. Because this life is a vapor. This life is here and gone. Can you imagine your loved ones that don't know Christ in an eternal torment of fire that they will never die because they are alive forever? Oh, that time in heaven where it's complete silence, it's going to be not because they're there. It's going to be because your memory reminds you of all the times you talked about everything but their soul. Why did we, when did we start drinking the Kool-Aid that people don't care about their soul? Well, they're not thinking about it. Okay. You think about it. Got a question for you. What happens when you die? Put it on them. You're going to die. Make them come head to head with it. You're going to die. If Jesus don't come back, you're going to die. If you get 90 amazing years at the end of 90 years for eternity, you're going to be somewhere. I want you to chew on that. Yeah, we're goodness of God tonight, aren't we? You mean tell you how to get this place lit and lift the ceiling out of here? Let the lost get found. Let the spiritual blind see. Let the lame walk. Let this house have all the people that are sick bringing them to the physician. You think we've had a little church now? I'm telling God, do not let us pump the brakes. There's more of you. We go from glory to glory. I'm expecting this next Sunday morning to be ever bit as lit as it was this last one, if not more. You've got like four days, and I've got like four days to invite some people. I'm telling guys about this men's conference. Because even though I'm talking about anger, I'm going to talk about hell when I close. Some guy's anger is going to take him to hell. Because a fool can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. And a man that keeps fooling his bosom, I mean that keeps anger in his bosom is a fool. Look, look at what I'm saying. I want to back this up with scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I want you to get the context. I'm going to go through 11. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor. Look at this, that whether we are present or absent, how many people in this room tonight, I can't preach to anybody else, how many of us are laboring for the Lord? How many, you say, I don't really understand that. I mean like this, like you've got a, a vision of hell, and so you can't maybe physically see the person. You're calling their name to God. Labor. Labor in prayer. You say, there's nothing wrong with TV. There's nothing wrong with these things. I'm telling you, that's a lie. There's things wrong when we spend more time with entertaining ourselves than spending time with God because I'm telling you to know to do good and to do it not is sin. It's greater than, a, listen, when you compare these stupid shows and these stupid things that tie us up to eternity, it fades so fast it's ridiculous. We have to labor. We have to labor. We have to labor. You have to call their name out. <laughs> have you forgotten what it was like to be a sinner? Has it been so long? I don't know if God can save my cousin because, you know, my cousins, man, they're crazy and they're out there. I don't know if he can save my brother because, you know, my brother's on drugs. My brother's on what? Huh? You better look at Teen Challenge. You better look at me. You better look at a lot of us. I think mom posted something on Facebook today by Corey Tim Boone or her sister. It says there's no pit you can climb deeper than God's not already that deep. Have we lost the amazing grace aspect? Though your sins are as scarlet, they can become white as snow. Though you're a prostitute with seven demons, you can not only be free, but everywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, you can be honored. Oh, y'all didn't know it was the prostitute that washed his feet. Why do you think the Pharisees mumbled about her? If he knew who was touching her. She was weeping because she was free. You know why Andrew asked you if you were bored? Because you're bored. This will never. This is a fishbowl. And an aquarium if new souls are not going in and the river is not flowing through here. We'll, make, we'll get some new fancy aqua lights in there. We'll get some fancy rocks in the aquarium. Ooh, I got some lava lights. Ooh, I got these exotic fish. And everything's... Go around to churches nowadays. It's a fancy aquarium. You know why you're bored? It's never intended for you just to sit here and, and enjoy a sermon. It's not made for me just to sit here. I want to see your loved ones saved from hell. We say saved and we forget to add from hell. Isn't it true? I guess I used to say, I want to see them saved. No, no, no. I want to see them saved from hell. Forever. 
We're not even to what the verse I want yet. Are we laboring? I had to ask myself. Listen, just because church work and I had all the financials together for the board and everything, that is not laboring. You know, you can even talk about laboring as in like I was alone and nobody came. You were so preoccupied. What I'm trying to say is the eternal moves us. It's not boldness that you need to pray for. It's the eternal. I, I didn't get it. I had, I'm 37, and I've been doing this for 20 years. And for some reason, my peon brain took God's goodness on a Sunday morning to wake me up to, you're missing the whole point, man. You don't need to pray for more boldness at Walmart. You need to pray for more view of the eternal. You need to realize that when you don't share, they're not pulled out of the fire and they're going to the fire forever. And if you don't share for long enough and you sit on your talent long enough that I've given you and your ability, Jesus said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for you. Now, I wish that scripture wasn't in there. But every time I read it and try to say, maybe that's not hell, I can't come to any other conclusion but hell. Do you know why there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? We'll go, keep this up. I got 11 minutes. You know why he said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? Just so you know the cultural context. And man, me and Sean are going to go to lunch one day, and we're going to have a good time talking about some Hebrew customs. So think about their cities. They were walled, Okay. And what they did was they had a section of the wall that they threw their garbage over. That makes sense. You can't let garbage stay in the city. The same way you have a garbage man today, he, you can't keep that garbage in your home. It'll absolutely corrupt your home. You have to get the garbage out. So they had this big section of the city where they all went up and threw their garbage. Well, guess what was in that garbage? Scraps of what they had been eating. Guess what around that area loved the scraps? They're called lions. And they're called, the devil comes around like a roaring lion. They, they were seeing a picture of something we don't see today when, that, when all this is being written. And so what happens to you is if you committed a sin, they tied a rope around you and they said, and you said, I'm innocent. And they said, well, we don't know if you're innocent or, or not. What they do is they drop you down the wall and they hang you into that pit of garbage it's completely dark. And most of the people, even if they, so if the tiger doesn't get you or the lion, when they pull you up in the morning, you are innocent. They don't want to put spotlights on their garbage dump. So that part of the city is completely, Alabama power wasn't running there. It was pitch black, utter darkness. They lowered them down. Well, most of those people, even if they were innocent, when they pulled them up, had clearly gnashed through their teeth. And they had, it was outer darkness, gnashing of teeth. And Jesus knew they understood that was judgment. And what he was saying to them was, is an expression that we would have clearly understood if we were there. It has to be hell. It was a place of judgment where you go into darkness. Hell's going to be dark. I can show you a hundred scriptures on hell. Jesus spoke 46 times on hell. And you're going to hang in the balance. 
of judgment. There's going to be gnashing of teeth. But that's why he says, I came to save you. He took our place. He hung over the wall. He hung in the garbage of our filth so that we'll never know that experience. We'll never, if we walk with him, I'm so thankful. Listen, not only does knowing hell make you a witness, I'm telling you, it encourages you. I thank God probably more this week than I have in my last five years. Thank you for saving me from hell. I'm not going to be there forever. Oh, thank you. I deserve it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not letting me go. Thank you that when I rebelled in my heart against you, that you kept coming after me. Oh, thank you for not giving up on me. You couldn't let me go. Thank you for not letting me go. Thank you. I slapped your hands away and I did my own thing. Thank you for not taking it so personal and walking away from me. Thanks for staying after me. Oh, he was so tenacious towards us. We've got to be tenacious towards them. We have to be. It's so stinking cliche. Let's be your hands and feet. No, like for real. It's time. you got to be it. There's going to be sacrifices. But when you're thinking about the eternal, there is no sacrifice. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at that. And that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done. Now look at this. Whether good or bad. This should be the the scripture that stays in all of our living rooms. It shouldn't be I can do all things through Christ. It should be that. It should have an eternal perspective always knowing when I live today whatever I do whatever I say however I act listen you won't have a problem with jealousy and envy and backbiting and slander when you understand that you're going to stand before almighty God one day and if you let iniquity abound in your heart no sinner can go to heaven that's a place pure and you all of a sudden want to deal with some stuff I'm having trouble getting over it Think about hell for five seconds. I don't know if I can overcome this offense. Oh, yes, you can very easily. It's a great offense compared to hell. It's a light offense. For these light afflictions work in us a far more exceeding weight of glory, Paul said. Paul kept it on his mind. I'm getting beat. It doesn't matter going to be with him forever I'm laboring you're going to give an account guys I'm going to give an account this week I'm telling you this was my devotion this was not my sermon I was thinking to myself there's not going to be a pastor's title Barry's not going to stand up there and they're going to be like oh worship pastor well there's 15 extra points to tip the scale towards the good side Come to heaven. Oh, you were a pastor. Ooh, probably negative points for being a pastor. But, man, you attended every service. People don't think that way. Yeah, they do. 
in our heart, we don't work out our own soul salvation with what? What are we fearful of? If we're supposed to do it with fear. See all these scriptures all of a sudden tie together to hell? You better be fearful of that right there. You're going to stand before God one day. Now listen to me. I'm not preaching this so that you doubt your salvation. I'm going to heaven. And so are you if you have the blood of Jesus in your life. Amen? You ain't got to wonder about it. But what you do have to do is you have to examine yourself to see whether you're still in the faith. And I'll tell you how you examine yourself. You take a little inventory. How's the witnessing? Non-existent? Problem. How is the praying for the lost? Non-existent? Problem. How am I doing on this is eternal? Mm, probably not thinking about it very often. Problem. We got to deal with the problems. God will get you back on track. Now, this is my last verse, verse 11. It's one of my favorites. He says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. See, I've preached so many sermons to you guys, even in this church. Boldness. We need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. But that is not first. First is the terror of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is perfect in converting the soul. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God, if you read Proverbs over and over, it's the fear of God. And, and I've, I've done a disjustice because I listened to some, a bunch of morons, just to be honest with you, and came in and said, well, the fear means a reverence. Listen, that's good, but I should have said it means a reverence to think about you're going to stand before God in verse 10 of this, and you're going to give an account for what you did. You're not tired like you say you're tired. You can pray when you want to. It's the same way you can get up at 5 a.m. and go to Six Flags. You're not tired. It's about your motivation. It's about your compassion. It's about your eternal perspective. Yes. I've said I'm tired before, but all of a sudden when I need to do something that's early that benefits Jonathan, boy, that tired don't matter. But when it comes to God, well, he wants me to rest. Man, some of you got bed sores. I don't even know how to lead somebody to the Lord. Yeah, you might want to work on that. What do I do if I ask them? They've thought about their soul. <laughs> I hope you know. I don't know what to do. There is no right or wrong. You got to talk to them. They're people. You tell them. All you have to talk about is one person, Jesus. He beat the condemnation. He beat every, we are no longer condemned. You talk to them. I don't care how you talk to them. Tell them. We're so scared that people are going to come at us and be like, with a question. No, tell them. Listen, I was in sin. I was in sin. It had me. And the wages of my sin was death. I felt death in my body. And, but when I said Jesus, something changed on the inside of me. Life came to me. The Bible just says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Tell them what he did for you. Most of the time, they don't need the Roman roads. If you know what that is, 
Here's the road. We're going to lead you through the Roman roads. Great. That might be your sales technique. Use it. Mine's never been that. Mine's been I felt death and I felt bondage. And when I called on Jesus, my heart became alive. I began to understand that I was loved. And I began to understand everything I longed for was him. Tell them. I love to tell sinners this. If you follow Jesus, you will never be alone. Ever. I love it. Oh, I feel alone sometimes. The devil, I can feel him working in my life as the pastor because he wants to discourage me because it will affect people. And I, he can make me be crowded and feel so alone. But even then, I think to myself, I'm not alone. Though all men forsook me, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You got to know the terror of the Lord. You got to know that God is so good. But when you neglect such a good gift, because he's just, there's, there's a terror. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, let it be with the excursions of our prayers. Let no one go to hell without us imploring them, grabbing their ankles. This is the new Jonathan version, but the quote's awesome. With us imploring them, come back. We're going to do everything we can for souls. I think this is the best church. I've thought it for 20 years. We got to ask people. We got to pray for people. How many family members do you have right now that are going to go to hell forever? Look, the feel-good feeling that you think that somebody's told you is Jesus is going to leave you when you get this. I'm telling you, I have been miserable all week in a good way. I don't get to just sit in my car and listen to good music. I've been in my car thinking, I'm sick of my stomach, Lord. Some of you are going to get sick. Some of you are going to be moved. You're going to think, oh my gosh, my mama or my papa or my, they're going to go to hell forever. I don't really want this burden. Man, you got to get the burden. You got to get the fear of the Lord. Do I worship him? Yeah, I tell him how good he is. Do I feel great about our church? Yes. But man, you've got to get the terror of the Lord in the center of your heart. You've got to. I don't want you to come up here and just cry and then talk and leave. I don't want you to. I want you to go home and be miserable for a little while. Your misery is your ministry. I want you to feel like Oh, the weight of eternity. That's what Andrew kept trying to say, but he couldn't get it out. He kept trying to tell him, you're going to church and you're hearing all these, he's your high priest, he's your this. Ooh, praise God, praise God, praise God. But you're not challenged to, hey, if you deny him, he's none of that to you. If you think I'm trying to browbeat you tonight, then you've missed it all. I'm really, the Bible is so awesome because those that mourn shall be comforted. 
James had to write, though, and say, Hey, church, why are you laughing? Let your laughing be turned into mourning. You have it both ways. If you mourn, I want you tonight when you're laying in bed in the silence beside your spouse or by yourself, God doesn't need you to pray out loud. He wants your heart. Give me your heart, God. I pray right now for my Mimo. I pray right now for my cousin Joe. I pray right now, God, for every person that don't know you in Mount Olive. I want you to save souls. And if you can use me doing it, fine. But if not, send them. Who cares who's throwing seed? Who cares who's watering? Just you give the increase. I wonder what our church will look like two weeks of that prayer every night. I wonder how many exciting stories I would hear from some of you that God led you to somebody at Walmart. I love that feeling when he tells you it's time to talk and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I just want to buy bread and milk and leave. And he's like, no, 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 that person's soul. Talk to them. God, okay, if they drop what's in their hand, I'll know this is you. And they're going to drop it. Because he's going to give you every chance. Because he has eternity in mind. But if you'll get eternity in your mind, you won't. See, hope makes not ashamed. For the love of Christ is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. When you know eternity and you're in there forever, you're not ashamed. What is, what, who cares if that person thinks about you? You're going to be forever with Jesus. It's not boldness you need. It's an eternal's perspective. And maybe I've hit this too long, but this means something to me. I want our church to be a witnessing church. I want our church to talk to people about hell. Annihilation. That's what Christians are saying, not the world. People amaze me, and this is the last thing I'll say. If you've got the excuse of, I don't know the Bible... That's not an excuse because you can Google anything you want to. If you want to lead people to the Lord, Google it. It's right there. You want to know scriptures about hell? Google them. They're right there. You don't even need a fancy app. Just Google it. You know what I'm saying? I want everybody to stand. Lucas, I just want you to come to the piano. I want us to turn the lights down. If you've got children in child care, you need to get them because I think the nursery closes, has already closed, but they're waiting on you. I just want us to take five minutes. Five minutes. And I just want us to look inside ourselves. I want us to thank God first for saving us from hell. Second, I want us to be filled with compassion that it'll be action. Oh God, we love you tonight. We thank you for saving us from hell. God, we ask you that you give us your heart for the lost, that you make us aware of how real hell is, God that we share with our loved ones. God, we ask you tonight, save our loved ones from hell. God, save the backslider. Save those that have grown cold or indifferent, God. Let them realize they can still run the race. Have your way, Holy Spirit.
God, as we're driving down our cars, as we're laying in the bed, don't let us laugh this off, God. The eternal perspective, get a hold of us and change us. Because if we'll mourn, God, we'll have joy. Joy is going to come in the morning. If we'll mourn before you. God, you said in Joel 2, it's time to mourn before you for the condition of the lost. Knowing you'll bring them to you. Use us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.